Hey, good morning, everybody. Great to see your smiling faces. Uh, and as, especially on a 4th of July weekend, I hope you get to get a little more time to relax uh, coming in the middle of the week here. Um, I did want to mention, though, about next week a little bit. And, um, you know, Pastor Esther is going to be pretty uh, straight about some of the things that are going on where she lives. And so if you've ever wondered what it's like to live in a place where persecution is not something theoretical, it's not something that happens happened a long time ago. It's what, uh, to be honest, there are many believers around the world that are still experiencing this. She's going to be pretty clear. Um, but because of that, that uh, we need to make sure that there's a safety measure for her. So if you're watching online, we're not quite sure if we'll be able to show um, the message online. Because if we cannot uh, kind of scrub certain things, clean up certain things, uh, to be honest, it's pretty clear that she'd probably just get arrested, interrogated, and then probably tortured and killed so and what they would do is they would do it with the whole kind of that circle that's that's the way that they traffic uh there and so she'll be able to you'll be able to hear it very clearly in in house but again if you guys are online uh we can't promise that we'll have a message for that next week but hey we'll see you the next week but um but we will try to do our best and so um again this would be something be a great time if you want to join us at uh saturday or eight o'clock there'll be always um um much more space as well so hey this morning though we're gonna change gears we're gonna you guys ready to jump into the message this morning you know we're in the series right that uh, short stories for uh, with good news and uh, we're looking at the shortest book in the Bible how many of you guys like hey pastor's message is gonna be extra short today well I can't promise that no but uh, but it's the shortest book in the Bible but it sort of uh, reminds me this message is uh, the fact that first time I ever went to church maybe you can think back first time you ever went to church but I remember um, thinking this that when I went to church I know I wanted to go because I wanted to get to know God better but I was a brand new Christian really just coming out of the world and this was my impression of church that church was filled with goody goodies and I wasn't one of them right as a result when I parked in the parking lot to go from the parking lot to get inside was the longest walk of my life it was short you know physically but just that that to traffic it was hard and then this is the thing that I found out that when I started to get involved in the church hey as that the person who you know the other people at church they got just as much problems as me right they, that they they're just regular human beings who are trying to follow Jesus God, God has made a difference in their life but they're not perfect they're just in the process of being perfected and so sometimes there's this tension that we have this expectation that when we go to church it's like at church this is where you know it's not like the world and it isn't but it's not heaven right there's only one place where everybody's going to be perfect and that's in heaven right so in this life that even in the church that you're going to meet people in the whole process of transformation as uh, some more so some less so some who should be but they're not Right, and we're gonna talk about that a little bit this morning. Some who should be and appear to be, but when you ex rub up against them, you really kind of get that chafing. And so John gives us this letter to kind of how to deal that how we live in the kingdom with imperfect people. Because how many of you guys that your life is filled with imperfect people, right? 
Oh, well, you guys are lucky then. It's like, because mine is filled with imperfect people, right? And um, you know what my family will say? Their lives are filled with imperfect people, right? And so here's what we're going to look at. It's part of that instruction. Hey, could we uh, bow our heads? Let's pray this morning. Father, this morning, we're so thankful that, that there is a place where one day we will experience with perfect uh, uh, harmony with a perfect peace Uh, but Lord in this life we experience it in measure in this life we know it clearly we know it sincerely but we also know it imperfectly because Lord we're in the process of transformation we're in the process of change and so is everyone around us we are so thankful that the only one that we worship is you You're the only one who's perfect. You're the only one who's holy. But Lord, we want to change. We want to grow. And this morning's message is part of that process as well. How to live, Lord. Teaching us, Lord, would you open our eyes? How to live uh, in this journey of the kingdom, uh, even among uh, imperfect people. In Jesus' name, amen. So if we want to know the context, last week we talked about the second shortest book of the Bible, that was 2 John, and it was a letter to some churches because John the Apostle, right, they didn't have streaming, didn't have all this stuff, so they would write letters. And so he wrote a letter to the churches, uh, he letter, wrote a letter to his uh, a church out, uh, it's a distance away, that letter was circulated and it was received uh, in this one church, and in that church there was a man, a godly guy, his name is Gaius, we're going to see it. He's not the pastor of the church. He is a leader, though. And and Paul knows about him, hears about his faith. And so he's giving him some instruction because the message that was shared in 2 John is not like it's not received evenly. How many of you guys know that you can we can all sit in a room, hear the exact same message, and we hear something a little different, every one of us, right? Because it's how it's received as much as how it's it's delivered. And so there's an unevenness in this reception. That's kind of the context of this thing. And so we're gonna read the open. Um, together we're gonna not read the actually the whole book even so you guys are getting a little bit of a break no but we're we're gonna read uh, starting in verses 1 to 3 would you stand in reverence for God reverence for his word let's read this out loud together and this is how it starts ready let's read this letter is from John the elder I'm writing to Gaius my dear friend whom I love in the truth Dear friend, I hope all is well with you and that you are healthy in body and you are strong in spirit. Now, in this greeting, he's saying, you know, Gaius, you're, you're, you're a close friend. You're a dear friend. I value you. But when it says, whom I love in the truth, last week we talked about the truth has a who, it has a what, and it has a how. It's like the, the person is Jesus, right? He's the way, the truth, and the life. But then there's a corpus of doctrine. There's the scripture. There's, there's, there's this belief there that's the, um, that we believe. And then it says the way that we walk it out. Now, when it says truth here, my uh, whom I love in the truth, this is a little bit more of a synonym. It's saying whom I love in the faith, right? That we're brothers and in the faith, that we're, we're family in the faith. That's what he's saying in this because we're both walking in the truth with Jesus, right? And so, uh, and then he just has some blessing for him, right? So he's saying, I hope that you're well. And we'll get into this in a little bit. But um, would you do me a favor before you're seated and says, hey, would you be, turn to your neighbor before you're seated. He says, hey, I, I'm hoping that you're blessed today as a result, right? That being here, right? And then you can have a seat, right? We bless one another. 
Now, this is a typical greeting in terms of like, you know how you guys ever uh, write a letter and then you say, hey, how are you doing? I hope everything's well there. Like, I, I have an uncle that, uh, well, he's since passed away, but uh, he wrote to my mom and dad. So he said, hey, dear Clayton and uh, Charlotte, I hope you're all well. As for me, I almost died. <laughs> so he had a mean transition. That was that transitional statement, right? But so it's not just simply that uh, short here, but I, I think although it is a transitional statement, it is a greeting, there's some things that, that we ought to be aware of. It says this, he says, I hope all is well with you and that you are healthy in body as you are strong in spirit. And he's saying this, he's saying that my blessing is for you. I know that you're a strong person in the faith, but you know what? Uh, I, would you know that God wants to also bless your physical health as well? And, and some people will say this, this is the kind of the uh, name it, claim it, health uh, and prosperity gospel, you know, that kind of a thing. Hey, we're sons of the king and because we're sons of the king that makes us princes or daughters of the king that makes us princesses. Now, some of you might act like princes or act like princesses, but that's a different thing, right? That's a, uh, but here's the thing that we're not saying as a result of this that we're all gonna drive Mercedes, have the giant house, on uh, in Wailaiki. That, that will be for some of us. And if that's some of you guys, then just invite me over and then we're all good, right? But Because I don't mind going, but uh, I can rejoice in the f uh, good fortune of others. But here's, here's what it's saying. It's saying that God's concerned about your whole life. He's concerned about your spiritual life, but he's concerned about your physical health. He's concerned, some of us, we have to learn how to pay attention to our physical health. You're good in developing your spiritual health, but the reality is you only get one body in this life, right? You get one body in this life. When you turn this body in, right, then, then we're in the next life. And so he's saying this, he's saying, you know what, would you know that God, just as much as God wants to bless your spiritual life, he also wants to bless your physical life? And so one of the things we do in communion is when we, we take communion, it says that by his stripes, by his sacrifice, it says this, that we are healed. And for some of us, this is the thing, whether you have a emotional thing, like you, you have a, a depression or anxiety, or you, you have some, uh, 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 a physical thing, you, you have an ailment, you have a, a, a disease, you have a sickness, that he's saying this, that by the power of the cross, by his stripes, he says, you know what, healing, he says, is available. We've seen this many, many times. And so if you're hearing this, would you know that God has healing for you? Sometimes it's emotional. And sometimes it's, it, it's physical. Sometimes it could be relational, right? How many of us have had a relationship healed? I, we're, we've been, we're, we're praying for a, a husband. We're praying for a wife. We're praying for a sibling. We're praying, and we've seen emotional. We've seen relational healing. We've seen financial healing for people. I, we've had people come in like several bankruptcies. And, and then at the next time we know that you know, God has a, a, a renewal for them. So God is concern, control, uh, concerned with your whole life. And so that wherever the blessing needs to rest, would God's blessing rest on you, but especially in the place that you need it, right? That, there's this aspect of that. Now, I do wanna ask this. It's like, um, what are you known for? And, and another way to say it is, what, what do you think your reputation is? Just take a stock for yourself. If, if someone were to describe you who doesn't know you to someone else, how do you think they might describe you, right? Oh, he's the, he's the funny guy. 
Oh, or he's the smart guy. Or, or some of us, he's the lazy guy, right? I mean, I don't know, right? I don't know what the reputation. Like, but all of us, you have a reputation, don't you? You have a reputation. Now, last week, um, Tim, our mission director, wanted to uh, kind of highlight something that, um, uh, that about me. I, 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 maybe I have a reputation. And then, like we have a brother, very, very tall, taller than Tim. And he says, hey, Glenn, come. Let's take a picture together because they're all like up here and I'm like down here, right? And I've had pictures like that. I'm standing with like super tall friends. The guys are like 6'4", six, 6'5", six, two guys. And we're standing like this, right? And our heads are all the same, but my feet not touching the ground, right? So uh, <laughs> that's part of the reputation. I don't care. Like it doesn't, doesn't bother me. I just, it's just it's life, right? So, um, but the, the thing is that you have a reputation. I have a reputation, right? And sometimes it's a flaw. Sometimes it's a, a thing, right? Sometimes it's the way, you know, like my dad had a friend, his name was Blackie because he was like super dark. That was before people would say, hey, that name is like racist or that's, that's, that's not appropriate. That's just how they grew up, right? So whatever the case um, that you have, you have some physical attribute. Sometimes it's a, 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 an experience, right? So, um, you know, something happened and then, so you tell a funny story and then that becomes like the way, that's your reputation, right? So people tell all these things. But what we're gonna find is that your reputation is something that you cultivate, and for some of us, it's something we wanna change, right? Because sometimes, you know, we have a past. Sometimes we have a history. Sometimes, even after becoming a believer, we, we have mistakes. But you know that you don't have to be defined by that mistake. And this is what we see. In the next verses, 3 John, verse three, he says this. Some of the traveling teachers recently returned and made me very happy by telling me about your faithfulness and that you, have been, that you are living according to the truth. I have no greater joy than to hear that my children are following the truth. So he's talking to Gaius, right? The guy, he's not the pastor, right? But what does he know about Gaius? Gaius, you're the man. That's what he's saying, right? Man, I hear, I hear it that you're walking in the truth. truth. You, you have a solid faith. You have a great reputation. But you know what we don't know? We don't know what Gaius's old life was. It doesn't tell us that, right? You know, Gaius could have been the party guy, right? Gaius could have been the rebel. Gaius could have been the guy who was living on the edges of society. But you know what, this is not what Paul, this is not what John is saying. He's just saying, this is what I know about you now, that you're living in the truth. You see, what you do today can change the reputation that you had from yesterday. In, in the scriptures, it says this in, in 1 Corinthians uh, chapter six, it's not in your notes, but he says this, he goes, now, um, you know, there's, you know, there's all kinds of ways that, that people have lived. And he says, some indulge with sexual sin and worship idols or commit adultery or, or practice homosexuality or are thieves or greedy people or drunkards or abusive or cheat people, right? And this is what he says later, verse 11. And some of you were just like that, right? In other words, though, he says that, that all of us, we have a, an old life. Right? And it might not be what he described. He's just naming a, a number of things. But this is what he's saying, that nobody knows you as that today, 
because you've been through this process of growth. You've been in this process of walking with Jesus. If you want to change your reputation, change how you think, because how you think will determine how you live, and it will determine what you say. Because no matter what your reputation now, if you change the way that you think, and you change the way that you live, and you change the way that you speak, right? Because some of us were like super negative. Like I, I have a tendency towards sarcasm. Anybody else, right? You guys wanted to raise your hand, but you didn't want anything, <laughs> right? So I, I'm just real honest, I have a tendency towards sar- sarcasm. So if I'm joking around, you know, like with friends, we tend to rip on each other a little bit. I'd make jokes, and I, well, hopefully it's just all in fun, right? But how many of you guys have ever said something and it was funny till it wasn't funny, right? I know that that's, I had like a a reputation before of being very cutting, right? Like among like old friends. That I I would say the stuff that other people wouldn't say. And so that was like not pleasant sometimes. And, but today, you know, I'm trying to bring my tongue, I've been trying to bring my tongue under the, the lordship of Jesus, right? So time to be fun and we just joke around and we, we can laugh. Um, but sometimes I just, I need to renew my mind because sometimes I would say it because I needed to say it. N- nobody needed to hear it, I just needed to say it, right? And this is how it sometimes became so apparent. The thing I said, you could tell, nobody needed to hear that but it was something inside of me that drove me to do it. You see, when I change my mind, it becomes much easier for Jesus to change my heart. And then I didn't want to hurt people, and then I didn't want to you know, uh, you know, make people pay if they said something. I didn't have to do it like that. And so I, I think my reputation has changed considerably in that, but don't ask my kids. So, uh, <laughs> and, and so we still joke around a lot at home. And so, but here's the thing. Um, you need to cultivate that. Now, how does that work? He says, because the truth is more than a set of beliefs. The truth is a person. So when you walk with Jesus, you get to know him. You know he's in your life. You're listening to his voice. You're filling your, wor- your mind with his word. You know what will happen? He'll start speaking to your heart. The spirit, the spirit of God uses the word of God, right, to, to speak to us. And God wants you then to live that out. That's all he wants. He wants you to experience him. And so in communion, that's one of the things that we're reminded. Did you know that when Jesus sees you, like communion, some of us, we think communion is to make us feel guilty and just confess our sin. If you have sin, which all of us do, then sure, of course you confess it at communion, right? But you know what? This is what it reminds you. God doesn't see you because of your sin. He sees you through the blood of Jesus. And he's saying, you know what? The cross is enough for you. The cross is enough for you. Whatever it is that you're going through. Do me a favor. Turn to your neighbor and say, the cross is enough for you. Your shortcomings are not greater than the cross. Your weakness is not greater than God's ability to redeem you, right? It's not the case. You might have had some successes. You might have had some setbacks. But here's the thing. It doesn't matter what your setback, it matters if you're walking in the truth, you'll get a new reputation. You'll get a new reputation. Now, um, some of us have heard the name Alfred Nobel. Anybody hear that name before? What is that normally associated with? 
Yeah, the Peace Prize, right? Yeah, so that's how most of us know um, Alfred Nobel. Um, but Alfred Nobel was deeply affected by something that happened in 1888. He lost his brother. His brother died suddenly, his brother Ludwig. But the, the thing about it was the, when it hit a newspaper, the newspaper mistakenly thought, because it was the brother of Alfred Nobel, right? Uh, Ludwig Nobel passed away, whatever. But they got mistaken, so they thought Alfred died. And so they wrote the obituary as if it was Alfred's obituary and the title of it was the merchant of death is dead that was the, the 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 title of it you know why because what we forget many of us is that Alfred Nobel was the inventor of dynamite right and so dynamite has great peaceful applications right like in construction we still use it today in construction making roadways you know you can't make a tunnels i mean they do they have uh, different kinds of drills now but like in the old days you used it you know a lot in construction and so but what else is the other application munitions in war right and so this is what happened the, his invention was used all over the world it made alfred nobel like the bill gates of the day right so this is what it said in the merchant of death it says alfred nobel who created weapons of mass destruction for the annihilation of mankind alfred nobel read that he says this is my reputation is this what i'm known for and it bothered him in such a way that he said, this is not what I'm going to be known for, right? And so he took his resources, he took his wealth, and he said this, I'm going to, I, I'm going to find people who are doing the best because I cannot, you know, I'm not a doctor. I'm not a, uh, he's a he was a chemist, but I, I'm not a doctor in medical. So we're going to find the people who are doing the best in the medical field, and we're going to give them a prize for peace. Right? We're going to take people in chemistry who are doing something and that we're going to give them a prize for peace. Or we're going to take somebody in politics or we're going to take somebody in, in different fields and we're going to reward these people because we want to promote peace. And today, who is, talks about, hey, you, you ever heard about Alfred Nobel, the guy who's the uh, creator of weapons of mass destruction for the annihilation of mankind? Nobody talks about that, right? <laughs> you, you know that if you get the Nobel Peace Prize, by the way, you get a lot of money. Yeah, you, you, get, you get a big chunk of change. Some of you guys need to work hard. No, but, um, so, but here's the thing. We don't think about it that way because it's not what you did, right? It's, it's not where you've been. It's, it's where you're living now. It's where you're headed now. If you need to change your reputation, fill your mind and your heart with the truth, start walking in that, it'll change what comes out of your mouth. It will change you right and so this is why we see Gaius Gaius had a past just like us right Gaius was a regular person but he walked changed you and I can walk changed right and so then he goes on he says dear friends you are being faithful to God when you care for the traveling teachers who pass through even though they are strangers to you. So what was happening is that people would go on these mission trips, just like even like today, right? But, but of course, no plane, right? They're just walking. Uh, they're doing caravans. Sometimes they get on a boat. They, they sail across the oceans. And people would come through. And so sometimes there were existing churches. Sometimes there were no churches. If there were existing churches 
and, and these guys who are on a, a missionary journey, they're there to preach the gospel come true, people would give them a place to stay because we talked about last week, there wasn't, you know, there wasn't um, Hilton, there wasn't, um, you know, Holiday Inn Express, there wasn't any of that stuff, so people would stay in people's houses. They would feed them, they would welcome them, and in that process, they're strengthening them along the way. She said, they have told the church here of your loving friendship. Please continue providing for such teachers in a manner that pleases God, for they are traveling for the Lord and they accept nothing from people who are not believers. So we ourselves should support them so that we can be their partners as they teach the truth. And he's saying there's this aspect that we ought to partner with people who are promoting the truth. We ought to partner with people who wanna promote the name of Jesus. And so he's just saying in this part, be, continue to be faithful to promote the name of Jesus. You know, like just Friday, we had a, a marriage night in here, right? How many of us were here on uh, marriage night? How many of you guys, were you guys encouraged? You guys blessed? Yeah? And so uh, thank you for the team that made that possible. There was a team, definitely a team of people who made that possible. But some of you guys know that Dr. Brian Misaka came and, and he spoke uh, to us. And he is, he's a psychologist, right? He has his uh, a doctorate in psychology. But I remember meeting Brian uh, in California when I was going to seminary and you know it's just like you guys ever been walking around in the mainland and then you just see this other person and you go like oh brother that guy's from Hawaii right you can tell right sometimes uh, you know it's because uh, it's because the tan some of it's like because they're wearing t-shirts and shorts and uh, you know whatever the case and rubber slipper and everybody else is dressed different no but uh, we saw each other and we said hey are you from Hawaii and you know that kind of a thing he said so what's the first thing he said Hey, what high school you in? Now, right? Um, so, oh, Lelihua. Oh, me too, right? Are you from Lelihua? Yeah, me too, right? And I said, um, what year are you? And he's like five years younger than me. And so I said, oh, okay. I, but he said his name was Misaka. You know Randall Misaka? He goes, oh, that's my brother. That's your brother. Oh, I remember, like, Randall and I, we used to do, we were in a social club together, right? We had, we did stuff together. And so, the next thing I knew is that we were having lunch with Randall because Randall had moved to California and was uh, living and working, got married, the whole thing. But the, the Brian had a different motive. You know what Brian's motive was? He wanted his brother to hear the gospel. And so he wanted him to say, hey, remember that guy you used to do all that stump, dumb stuff with? Like, hey, he knows Jesus now. You know, he's, he's gonna be a pastor or whatever. And so we had lunch because Brian's heart was his brother would hear about Jesus. And at that moment, he wasn't like the most open, but you know, I got to share my testimony. We got to hang out some, right? And he didn't accept the Lord that day, but he did later with his brother because his brother kept sharing the gospel, right? And so he told me that story because I asked him, hey, how's Randall? And you know, he said, what he said, it's, unfortunately he, he just passed away actually a few months ago, but he knew the Lord, right? And then he's, he asked me, hey, you remember Stanley Sakamoto? I go, oh yeah, of course, he was in the group too, right? So like, um, I had the worst accident in my life when Stanley was driving, but uh, he said, yeah, I mean, you know, because I know he's, he's traveled along, he's been in the military, he's been all over the world. And he said, hey, Stanley came to know the Lord too, you know? And I said, oh, how did that happen? He says, because I led him to the Lord. I, how do you know Stanley? From Randall. Because Randall, when he came to know Jesus, you know what his desire was? That his friend would come to know Jesus. 
So he said, we were having lunch at Nico's at the table, and he was just open. And he said, I, we got to pray together. You know what? Brian is a skilled psychologist, but he's a man with a heart for God, and that he has, he's a man that, that wants people to know Jesus. We ought to support people like that, right? But you know what? You can change the world by just telling your friends and telling your family members about Jesus. Because how many of, to be honest, hell's a real place. We don't talk about it a whole lot, right? That's, like, that, that's not my greatest motivation. I want them to know Jesus, right? But here's the thing, that it is a real thing, right? And so we need to say that we, I never wanna let anybody go to hell without getting a chance at least to respond to the grace. Cause that's, it wasn't for, for somebody who told me, that's not how I was raised. I never heard of it. I thought I was an intelligent person and educated, but nobody told me, right? And so, you know what? People need you to tell them about Jesus. But here's the thing. We want to promote the name of Jesus, right? Now, if in church, we, this is the thing that we have to be careful. When we start going through this change process, that we start seeing parts of our life that we go like, oh, that was so stupid. I never want to live that again. But you also want to tell other people not to do what you did. Anybody there? Right? It's like, you don't have to make, we come in, we have scars, we're glad to be in the kingdom, but I, there's people out there, I hope you don't make that. And so that's why sometimes we go, hey, you know what, that's why we shouldn't legalize recreational drugs, right? Because a lot of us here, we did a lot of recreation, right? And so, uh, but you realize, you know, like, man, uh, that, that totally, I'm glad it didn't derail me for the long run, but you know what? I mean, it definitely, you carry some scars from that, right? Some people, it's like, hey, you know, other things that, to be honest, you've been through certain things. Now, one of those things, I'm gonna say, and I don't mean it in a political way, I'm just saying it in a way that's um, from, from a God perspective. I, we think that all life is precious, right? Don't we? God, all life is precious. If that's really true, that when when a child is conceived, that's already a life, right? It's already a life. It's already a human being. Might not be able to think, might not be able to get around and walk or whatever, but it's a human life. As a result, that life is precious. Sometimes the church is known as anti-abortion people, right? But here's the thing is that we gotta be known not for what we're against, but what we're for. Right? I, I'm for people, everybody having a shot. I'm for everybody being able to, to live peacefully because somebody doesn't take out their opportunity for life. And so I want to be pro-life. I don't want to be anti-abortion. And you know what that means? That we, we got to sometimes figure out what we can do to support people in that process, maybe in a hard situation that they didn't envision, but that what we can do to support them, right, through that. that that's, that's kind of our heart, right? That, because today, in, in a, a long time ago, there, one party used to say this, abortion should be safe, legal, and rare. Today, they say totally something different, right? You could be up to nine months, you should be able to, that's a woman's right. Some people are, even, even after the baby is born, they wanna have the capacity to terminate that life. That's infanticide, right? Now, 
somebody has to defend somebody who cannot be defend, they cannot defend themselves, right? So here's the thing, we wanna have a reputation not for what we're against, but what we're for. And to be honest, the reason is because I'm for Jesus, right? I, I'm pro Jesus because I know that I cannot change anybody, but I know God can. I cannot meet everybody's need, but I know God can, right? I cannot be every place and everywhere at the same time. I'm so glad God can, right? If God is the only one that he says there's only one name under heaven by which we must be saved, that is Jesus. Let's not keep that name from people, right? Sometimes we love people, but we don't tell them. And you know what? Don't let them walk just thinking you're a nice person. You're not that nice. No, I'm just kidding. But uh, <laughs> I see I got to work on my tongue. No, I'm just kidding. But, um, <laughs> but sometimes the reason why we're nice is Jesus. And people ought to know that. Because that's the, that's the person that's going to change them. That's the person that's going to help them. Because sometimes this is what they think if you don't tell them. Oh, you know, Glenn, he's just a nice guy. And what are we thinking? Well, you don't know my past. You don't know what he delivered me from. You, don't, you know what? It's not me. It's Jesus and me. That's what you're seeing. Because I'm not that good. Yeah? If people ask me, I, I'm straight with that, right? I'm, I'm grateful they see Jesus to some degree. But I want to give them the real Jesus, not just the story of Jesus, right? Do me a favor. Turn to your neighbor and say, we need to give people the real Jesus. Because he changes people's lives, right? He touches something and things change, right? Now, so here's the thing. He's saying, let's promote people who do that. And so that's one of the reasons why you wonder why we have all those pictures on the wall. Because we're, we're supporting that stuff. Some of it is the missions that we do, right? Like to Myanmar and Fiji, which is our more recent things. Uh, Japan in the past. Uh, and still, um, to be honest, every time I go, uh, it's vacation. But I'm always doing something. I'm always partnering with my friends in Japan, right? In Sapporo or wherever it is that I go uh, or you know in missions in China in in working with house churches Indonesia reaching unreached people literally who would only even have a Bible in their own language they were working on it while we were there we got to lead someone to Christ in that situation right so we're doing stuff we we support right now that when you give would you know that every month we support people who are taking people out of sex trafficking in Thailand. Mis um, ministry called Zoe Ministries and the Ginozas, less, uh, uh, yeah, all of a sudden, I'm thinking about the football coach, but uh, Ginoza, but uh, they're in Myanmar and some of them are preventing the, these uh, kids, boys and girls, by the way, from being sold into sex uh, the trade so sometimes there's that intervention beforehand sometimes it's literally coordinating with police taking kids out of active sex trade we ought to support people like that you guys think that's worth supporting right because what happens is when they get uh, taken out from that they they love them with the love of jesus right and you know what else they need deliverance those kids need there's like there's deliverance they need the, the enemy just gets a root in people's lives you in, during things like that because the devil is not attracted because you're evil you know what he's attracted to it could be that but he's attracted to your pain and your hurt and so if you don't give you don't you know like we took communion you should also be inviting jesus into your pain and your hurt you know why? Because he'll heal it. 
If not, you know who else is attracted to it? The devil's attracted to it. And so there's deliverance. They'll do all that stuff. Am I equipped to rescue kids in Thailand to do that? I'm not. So we're supporting folks who are doing that, right? So we're supporting, we supported folks in Kyrgyzstan, supported folks in, uh, in Japan, missionaries. All, so those are the things that we're doing. So we wanna support that. But here's the principle. You know what, that when you support somebody who's doing that, this is what God says in the kingdom. You get the same reward. God will bless you even if you don't go. Some of us, we think this, I'll never go on a mission trip. Right, because for some of you, you go like, uh, I hear where you guys go, I don't wanna go that rough place. <laughs> Somebody said this, do they have a Hilton over there? No, we're not staying in Hilton, you know. Uh, and so they go, oh, okay, maybe I, maybe I won't go. <laughs> and, but here's, here's the thing, you can pray for them, can't you? Your prayers matter. Your prayers matter, literally, your prayers matter. It empowers the work there. It changes hearts. What about serving? What about helping people in the prep? It matters. Because to be honest, it's not just all that the guy who goes matters. It's, if we don't have the support from the home team, the away team cannot do it, right? The next week we're doing a fundraiser for the Esther Project. You guys not hearing a whole lot about it because it's not targeted to folks in the church. But you know what? Without the support of a team, that fundraiser wouldn't happen. Why, why are we raising funds? Because we haven't said no to any child who wanted to be part of the Esther Project. That's why it's 600 now. But we wanna make sure that we can keep saying yes, right? So that's why we're, that's why we're doing it. But if not for that team, there's no way that we could do that. So you could, you could pray, you could serve, you could give, or you could go. But we ought to promote people who declare the name of Jesus, and this is the good news. Whatever part you play, whether you pray, whether you serve, you give, or you go, God says this, if you're doing it with a heart to serve me, I bless you with the same reward. Because he says this, if you welcome a prophet in the name of a prophet, you get a prophet's reward. That's what Jesus said. You might not be a prophet to give a message, but you welcome them so he can give the message. You know what he says? I bless you just like I blessed the prophet who spoke the word of God, right? How many of you wanna be blessed? Just support the things that God wants to do. And he says this, I'll bless you. Here's the last thing. Here's the last thing. That we talked about imperfect people, right? We talked about this change process, but sometimes people will get into leadership positions and to be honest, they either go backward or they haven't quite worked out of something else that there was in their past and they lead out of their weakness, they lead out of their undevelopedness and the, the church pays, right? So this is what happens uh, in verse nine. I wrote to the church about this, but Diotrephes, let's say that word Diotrephes, that's the name, who loves to be the leader refuses to have anything to do with us. So this guy, he is the pastor of the church, right? But he loves being in charge. He loves the power. He loves being first. And he says this, 
But because of that, this, there's, a, there's a insecurity. He needs the approval of people. He needs to be in control. So it's not that he's just exercising his leadership. He's actually kind of uh, indulging his weakness in his character. And so that's how he's leading, out of the weakness of his character. How do we know this? Because he says, when I come, I will report some of the things he's doing and the evil accusations he's making against us. Not only does he refuse to welcome the traveling teachers, the missionaries, he also tells others not to help them. What does he get out of that? What does he get out of that? There's no, he doesn't get anything except exercising his control. And when they do help, he puts them out of the church. And so the apostle John, who walked with Jesus, who was part of the group that fed the 5,000, who saw Jesus when he was crucified, who saw him after the resurrection, who went and helped preach the gospel that, that about the living Jesus, who, who writes the book of Revelation, writes the gospel of John. This guy, Diotrephes, says this. No, 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 I get him. No, no, you, I, I don't need to listen to you, right? I'm not under your, you're not better than me, right? So he wants control. He cannot, he's unteachable. When we find people like this, this level of insecure leader, they're generally unteachable. They generally, if they didn't come up with the idea, then they don't want to exercise the idea. Now, this is the difficult part. Some of us have been under the leadership, and you don't have to be a pastor. You could be a small group leader. You could be, you know, whatever it is. You, but you just have some measure of influence. Some of us have been under the leadership of a diatrophies. If, you're, if you've been in that, that, would you know that's not God's heart for you, right? God's heart is to build you up, not tear you down, right? And, and some of us, we get wounded, but this is the thing he's saying to us is we need to understand sometimes this is gonna happen. You get people in the process, right? They're, they're a rough thing, but this is what we notice what he doesn't say, he doesn't call Diotrephes a false prophet. He doesn't call Diotrephes the Antichrist. These are words he used in 2 John, right? Because the people who actually oppose the, uh, oppose the gospel. This guy, he probably loves Jesus. He just thinks that he ought to be number one all the time. He needs to develop his character. And so here's the thing. So it's not that, we rag on this guy. This guy needs this guy needs prayer. He needs correction, but he, he needs prayer. If you've been under the 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 the, the leadership of a diatrich, pray for them. Don't curse them. I know you've probably been wounded. Just come into a place that that won't do that to you, right? And 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 so this is we have to understand that. This part of the deal at times. It happens. Now, here's the reason why it's important. Because you cannot really steward spiritual authority without yourself being under authority, right? So how many of you guys know that like, um, you have spiritual authority. You have authority over the devil. You have authority over the devil. Do you guys believe that? Now, um, the devil is more powerful than you, so how do you have authority over him? He's more powerful than me but it's because Jesus gave me authority. But you cannot use your authority unless you are under authority. What do you call a person who's not under authority? A rebel, right? So if I stand against the enemy, 
and I'm not under authority, you know what the devil does? I don't need to listen to you because you're not listening to somebody else, right? You're not listening to Jesus. I don't have to listen to you. I can pray all I want, nothing will happen because I need to be under authority. This is a spiritual principle. If you're not under authority, you're not qualified to steward authority. And so he says it like this in James 4, 7. Submit yourselves then to who? To God, resist the devil, and he'll flee from you. Hey, but Glenn, he's only 5'4", and then what, the devil has to listen to him? <laughs> yeah, it doesn't matter your size, right? <laughs> doesn't matter your personality. Doesn't matter how long you've been a Christian. Doesn't matter how much you know the Bible. It's like if you're submitted to God, you have spiritual authority over the enemy. You have a capacity to pray for people. You know what, God will touch people through your prayer. You don't need my prayer. I'll, I will gladly join in that process, but God uses your prayer. But you have to be under authority. So he makes this, then this, this next step. So then he writes this, but so in verse 11, so dear friend, don't let this bad example influence you. Don't pick up his habits. Follow only what is good. Remember that those who do good prove that they are God's children, and those who do evil pro prove that they do not know God. Everyone speaks highly of Demetrius, why? because he has a good reputation, <laughs> as does the truth itself. We ourselves can say the same for him, and you know we speak the truth. So this is what he's saying. He's saying, you're gonna rub up against people who maybe they do something, they don't do it well. They, they haven't, they're not submitted themselves, they're pushing their weight around, right? They're doing all of that. And, and then he says this, he says, but, but you're not like that, Gaius. And I noticed this, Demetrius. None of these guys are pastors. They're just folks in a church. Because it's you guys, it's you guys that will change the world. It's you guys that will change the world. What world are you gonna change? The world around you. The world around you. When you renew your heart, you get the truth in you, you start renewing your mind, you start living it out, you start speaking differently. And you know what will happen? People start seeing Jesus in the midst of that. But sometimes you gotta be willing to change your reputation. I just wanna close with this. Um, anybody here, any basketball fans? Any basketball fans here? Well, you're in for a basketball story, it doesn't matter. So, <laughs> so <laughs> just kinda heads up. So, hey, 1992, there was a basketball team of like the best NBA players at the time. And it was like Michael Jordan, you guys remember this? Michael Jordan, Larry Bird, Magic Johnson, Charles Barkley, right? Uh, David Robinson, Patrick Ewing. They called those guys the dream what? Dream team, yeah, and they, they smashed everybody in the 92 Olympics because they made this change in the ruling that you could have now professional athletes participate for their country. They never used to do that. It was all amateur, but then people made the argument, like, look at the Russian guys and the Cuban guys. That's all they do. They get paid by the government. So, you know, they said, okay, that's true. So anybody can, can go. You can represent your, your country. And uh, they, play, they play those games as, amateurs right so that's what happened in 92 and it it set the dynasty well there had already been a basketball dynasty uh, but there were some upsets with the Soviet Union and then when the dream team came along they just were blowing everybody out crazy for the next three Olympics right and for the next three Olympics and then something happened in 2004 is that 
USA with the best players on the planet lost the Olympics. We lost to uh, Argentina. How many of you guys think basketball powerhouse Argentina? I don't know me, but um, but what happened? They had the best players on the planet. But you know, guys, notice this: that when you have people that that they're the star player, sometimes this is what happens. You got five individuals with extreme talent, but you don't have a what? A team, right? That's what happened to them. They didn't know how to play as a team. They know how to play as stars, right? And so they pulled these other guys together, and maybe some of these guys that you probably know, even if you're not a basketball player, Kobe Bryant, LeBron James, right? Those were the two superstars. The Kobe first, to be honest, he was like the man, but LeBron James was coming up. He was playing for the Cavaliers still. He hadn't gone to the Heat. He hadn't done all that stuff, right? But he's coming up. So people, they were talking about that. And when, when they came in, they're, they're being pulled together for the next team to win back the title. And they're calling, there's a show on Netflix called The Redream Team. I know this because my son was watching. And I watched it when I came home. <laughs> and and when, we, when I watched this thing, Kobe was known as always an intense player. And when the guys met him, like this, this one guy, Carmelo Anthony, says that when he saw uh, Kobe, he said, hey, Kobe. And it's like, he just kind of had that one of his... So, like just totally, you know, like super intense. And so he leans over. There was a reporter like, man, I wonder how he acts to his friends. And, his thing. and the, the reporter laughed because he said this, Kobe doesn't have friends. That's his reputation. He's just an intense guy, right, who's not super friendly. And LeBron James was the opposite. LeBron James is like, the, hey, you're making teasing people, comments, talking all the time. And Kobe is just a guy, he's just grinder, kind of, you know, and he, he's known as playing, right? But, but when the, they got together with the, the head coach, the head coach said this, hey, how many of you guys, um, you know, everybody's from a professional team, right? So what are you guys gonna, who you represent? And there's silence. He says, well, you know what? You, you're not, you don't represent the Lakers. You don't represent Cleveland, right? You don't represent Houston. You don't represent, you know what? You represent USA, Team USA. You're not going to be out there for your team. You're not going to be out there for your glory. But we are one team because this is, it's a privilege to represent your nation, right? He says, you'll find it. Like when you stand out there and you're wearing those sweats and it's like that, I hope that you have this privilege, you see this thing, to represent something greater than yourself. And you know, um, the next practice that they had, he said when they were playing in the, in the practice and there was a loose ball, the next thing you know, it's, it's like Kobe is diving headfirst for the ball. You know what? Stars generally don't do that. They let the scrubber, <laughs> no, they let the other guys do that. That's not their thing. Their, their thing is you get me the ball and I'll show you what to do with the ball. But Kobe was just diving for those things. They would go out at night, some of those guys, and they would party, you know, professional athletes. They're known kind of like for a big lifestyle, right? So they go out, get decked out, go out. Four o'clock, 4.30 in the morning, they come back to the hotel, and they see Kobe in his sweats with his, with his weightlifting gloves on. And they say, where are you going? He says, I'm going to lift weights. What? 
are you serious? He goes, yeah, I got, I got to get in shape. And he's, he's like, he's going to lift weights and then I'm going to eat breakfast and then we're going to practice. And some guys were like, oh my gosh, I don't get up at 4.30 in the morning for anything. But the next day, was Kobe the only guy in the gym? No. Other guys came. Other guys followed. And, and the thing is that Kobe became kind of the heart of the team and he brought the team together you know why because he didn't play to his own power he didn't play for his own glory and you know what he changed his reputation and so all of a sudden they played not as stars but they played as a team as a result they won the 2008 Olympics that's the redream team that's the name of the show. And, and, and then they began this second half of the dynasty, right? Now, guess what? You and I, we represent, a di- we don't re- you don't just represent you, you represent the kingdom. You represent Jesus. That's a great privilege. And here's the thing, like whatever your reputation, you can change it. Colby could change it. Alfred could change it right and many of us we've changed our reputation right we've changed our reputation already but maybe there's something else but you just gotta press into God press into God get his word in you get his learn what it means to to walk in his spirit and then you know what will happen it'll change the way that you live it'll change the way that you speak and it'll change your reputation it makes sense let's bow our heads we'll close in a word of prayer Father, I thank you that there's no supermen in the world. There's just regular human beings. But I thank you that when regular human beings, regular men and women, whether they're in the church or out of the church, when they submit themselves to you, Lord, that things begin to change. When they come to encounter you and know you and they experience you, Lord, that we find is that, that their guilt and their shame don't drive them it's, it's something that they get, they get healed in their life. They get removed in their life. And Father, that I thank you that you don't want to see us through, you don't see us through all of our failures. That's what your word told us. And regardless if we were thieves or drunkards or, or, or sexually immoral or do, doing whatever, it says that's not how you see us. You see us through the cross. And Lord, thank you that our reputation in heaven is different. But Father, we want our reputation here, Lord, to, for us to, in, in a greater way, to experience that. If you're here this morning and you're saying, man, there's some things I just, if you just think about, what is your reputation? Some of us are saying, I need to change some things. If that's you today, this is not a guilt thing. This is a thing that you're just saying, God, I want to just invite you into this part of my life. Because I don't just want to be known as that. I don't want to just be known as the party guy. I don't want to just be known as the guy who's like cutting corners all the time. I don't want to be known as the guy who's always looking for the easy way out. Whatever the case, that if that's you today, would you just raise your hand to the Lord and say, Lord, that, that's me today. Would you know that he's, loved, he, he's been waiting for that? Father, I thank you that whenever we open ourselves to you whenever when we recognize we need you 
Lord, there's, there's a rejoicing in heaven. I, I'm praying, Lord, that, Father, would you just enter into these places and would you help my friends to experience you in this place? In this place, Lord, it's acknowledged, Lord. It's, this is not our place of strength. It's a place of weakness in many ways. But, Father, I thank you there's a grace for that. And would you renew our minds in this area? Would you strengthen us in our spirit on this area? Father, in such a way that maybe it's not in a day, maybe it's not in a week or a month, but Lord, that we want to walk with you and walk in the truth. And that Lord, we don't wanna just change, we wanna be transformed to be more like you. And Father, when that happens, and ex expressed in every one of its ways, reputations change. Will we be known as men and women of grace and truth, of love and of power, of strength and dignity. Father, that's what we're praying for, covering for our friends today. And with our heads bowed, eyes closed, if you've never said yes to Jesus today, would you know this? He loves you. Just like, just like my friend Randall, just like my friend Stanley. It's never too late. It's never too late. If you've never said yes to Jesus, would you know that all, all, all it means is you just acknowledge that you haven't been living for him and that you've been doing your own thing, but that today you're saying, God, that you wanna know him, that you want to have this connection and this relationship with God. If that's you today, would you know, he wants you. He wanted you from before. But when you turn to him, this is what you'll find. He's waiting there for you. And we're gonna pray a real simple prayer if that's you today. And if that's you, would you pray along with me? Might be the first time for some of us, or maybe it's a renewal for, for others of us. Let's pray together. Lord Jesus, thank you that you really know me. Everything about me, and that you still love me. It's a hard thing to understand, but we're grateful. So today, I acknowledge that I haven't always been living for you. I've been rebellious, but I turn away from what I know is wrong. Would you come live inside me today? Fill me today. Forgive me today. I receive your grace and mercy in Jesus. And would you help me to grow in you, to know your voice, and your presence, to know your word and your will, to know what it means to, to live in a community that is encouraging me to follow the truth and accepts me with all of my weakness. And Lord, would you help me to help others one day? Strengthen me, lead me, and guide me today. I need you. Thank you. I receive Jesus. In his name I pray. Amen. Amen. Hey, let's say congratulations to those folks. God bless you guys. Have a great 4th of July day off, hopefully. A uh, day to celebrate um, our freedom. And uh, we're going to close together. Thank you for tuning in to the New Hope Kapolei Messages podcast. We hope you enjoyed this weekend's message and that it brought you inspiration and encouragement in your journey of faith. If you'd like to listen to more messages or stay connected with us, 
visit our website at newhopecapole.org or follow us on social media. Remember, no matter where you are in life, there is always hope and a new beginning in Christ. So let's continue to grow and learn together as we pursue a life of purpose and impact. Thanks again for listening. We'll see you next time. Aloha and God bless.